And let's do this again. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm so sorry to abruptly close off earlier, but you know, when the phone rings, sometimes you just got to take the phone call. And uh, we hadn't connected yet, so I had to take the phone call and, and leave. But Deb will be back on, I do believe. And we will have ourselves a show. And there she is. Let's see. Make yourself live, my friend. Press the go live button. I, I don't have there. a... There, there I you am. are. Oh, Welcome. thank you. Thank you. And this works so much better. Technology is a beautiful thing, is it not? When it works, it is. Yes. So welcome oh. to Friday. Welcome to us. We've got all the headphones, so no more ringing back. And uh, we're ready to rock and roll. How was your oh week then? Uh, you know, speaking of grief chat, That's I know I, I asked. I know. So uh, this is an interesting thing because now I've drained, uh, joined the ranks of not being able to say goodbye in person a dear friend of mine died this week and i had to call in or they called me the family and they put my uh voice on the phone up to her ear mm -hmm. um, that was a lot harder like when you're just given like 30 seconds to say you can say goodbye now. Wow. On-demand connection grief over the telephone is a very strange thing. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, it's been difficult. And so grieving my friend, and then I know I confess to my therapist and to you, um, while she wanted me to help take care of her partner, mm -hmm. I have a very difficult time putting all my energy into taking care of this person because they didn't do the, the work ahead of time. And this is, you know, for all the therapists out there, for all the for all the people who are caretakers, for all the people that have made promises. So this is sort of like a two, twofold thing, made promises to the loved one that's dying and then they're, then they died. And you feel like you are not able to fulfill the promise the way they would have fulfilled the promise. Uh -huh. So that's an interesting position to be in, as well as I, like you, uh, counsel and take care of so many that when, it, when does it become the client's responsibility to do some of the work? It's one thing when they keep coming to me each week and I can say ah, I'd like to move you along here. Right. Um, and if I don't say it I think it and I sort of they're fine just because they need the company mm -hmm. 
And then when the actual time comes, they haven't done the work. You can't make somebody face death. You can't make them get ready. You can't make them get ready. No. And so, as I said in a presentation yesterday, grief is weird. <laughs> and I always like to say, Kubler-Ross, one of the main things she did was put out some stages for grieving for the people who are dying as right. they go through, but not for the ones that are left behind. Right. And that kind of grief is like, it's like a big ball of yarn with tons of knots. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, to experience it on this end is a whole different feeling and a feeling I will not uh, forget. Right. Yeah. It, it is really, it, it's draining when the primary folks haven't gotten ready and the folks around them mm -hmm. are left with, but can't you please do it for us? And you really can't. No. And it's if you do, then you're taking their power from them and you are subjecting yourself to what happens if I choose wrong. Exactly. And if you are in a caretaking position and you are one of the people you need to take care of right and you know i go back to weight watchers everything was <laughs> points if you right. only have 25 points in a day mm -hmm. how are you going to spend it are you gonna spend 25 points of eating all on this one thing or are you gonna spend five points here, five points here. I get five points. And, you know, this is, this is difficult. It is. It absolutely is. And it, and it's, um, when you do grief all day long and you do death and dying and end of life and however you want to call it, because we, there's lots of phrases for what we do. Right. Right. It's normal for us to say, have you done your will? Do you have your advanced directives done? What's left? What haven't you talked about? And if you've got them done, have you told your family that you've got them done and what you want so that there isn't a surprise and a family quarrel the last minute? And if you've done your funeral plans, does everyone know what you want? So there's not a quarrel, right? So you don't become that family. I've, I've had a family in the past that they kept someone in storage for six months while they fought out in court whether the deceased person would be laid to rest next to his first wife or go to a new cemetery for the second wife. And it was just so ugly. And ultimately second wife won the kids lost the right to see their dad. And uh, he'd been married for maybe three years. Oh. Right. And uh, his will had very specifically said, if I ever remarry, I'm going next to my first wife for the comfort of my children and grandchildren. And it was a family plot that his family had created 200 years before. You got to tell people what you want. And if right. you get remarried, you got to be careful how you prepare that part too. Exactly. I mean, oh my goodness. 
I have an, another person that writes me and the settling of the estates oh, because oh. they couldn't get to the, the family couldn't get to the will because uh, they got the, locked second, the second wife, whomever or whatever took the will mm -hmm. and it's not there. I, 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 don't even have words for this, except it happens more often than you think. It happens all the time. Right. right. It happens in dementia land whenever there's a quarrel over who's doing the care and how much it's costing the yes. outside folks. There's 50% of, of the time or more, there's a lawsuit. Uh, and, and death just escalates it. Seriously. I, I have to tell you something funny about how my brother and I did things. My mom, her lawyer actually said, let's get a codicil to the will before a codicil for our, our viewers is a change in mm -hmm. or an addendum a later. A yeah. Right. To the will so that things go easier for your brother and I brother in you and so in between morphine drips that's what we did and but the humorous thing is just to annoy our mother my mother had a big wall with tons of knickknacks expensive expensive knickknacks and uh -oh. things in her family as well as whatever the tchotchkes the tchotchkes lots of tchotchkes that she didn't just have one huge glass cabinet. She had <laughs> another littler cabinet. So she would be on the couch and my brother and I would look at these tchotchkes and neither one of us really wanted them. But he said, you know, mom, when you die, I'll take this. And then my brother said, I'll take this. And then I said, I'll take this. And he said, I'll take that. And you know, I guess it gave her pleasure, even though we were sort of being facetious. Right. And then when she died, we stood in front of there and said, okay, we know what we're doing. And we yep. just sleep. It's done. <laughs> those cabinets out. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of families do that. And mm -mm. I think about my single, no kids friends. Um, yeah. In fact, my, my girlfriend wrote me today, uh, SNK, she said, single, no kids. no kids. And, you know, grieving and being uh, a single, uh, single person, especially a single woman, that's a grief in itself. But uh, this, when you're like that, you have to get your shit together. Oops, I said that online. But you really do need to get it together. Yeah. And another friend of mine with no kids of his bio own, I've been, there's a Yiddish expression called the hocken me a china, which means rattle your tea kettle. Rattling right. my tea kettle. I would say, did you, did you finally do this? We show up in the ER and we got no rights with you. Right, we need right. some stuff. Go ask your girlfriend. Go do this. Show me the paperwork. So to everybody listening, if you don't have something 
even in your 40s, I mean, you don't always think about it in your 30s, but if you have children, you got you should be thinking about this. You should have it in writing if you've got kids. Writing. Who's going to take care of your kids? Right, because somebody's got to inherit them. That's right. Who's going to do that? Who's going to tolerate your kids? (laughs) (laughs) Not only that, what about the step-parent? What about the step-grandparents? What about the... I'm telling you, it is more complicated than any even anderson cooper has done this with his ex you know right he's got got things in place and he's a young gay cutie right and and he's got a kid it's all done and and his mother was gloria vanderbilt right right who wants to argue with the vanderbilt (laughs) with the vanderbilts oh my gosh so for everybody listening out there, you can download stuff and then tell yeah. it, make some copies. At least in this area, Daryl and I are either um, power of attorney, medical power of attorney, or at least second in executing that if the first can. And I have been in the ER, probably you have with, with clients or friends, yeah, you've got to call their family members, say, hey, I can't make these decisions. You have to, but I don't want to. Oi. Right. That's all I got to say. Right. You really do have to have it, and it has to be the strongest possible document. If there's going to be conflict, because there's conflict. If you get to the ER and someone's coding, the loudest voice that says I'm going to sue wins. So if Uh, there's somebody saying, if there's three saying stop the code and there's one saying, if you do, I'm going to own the hospital. Right. They're going to code. They're going to keep on going. And so you really have to have, you know, it's nice to have advanced directives. It's better to have the higher, higher level. The five wishes are nice. You got to have as high a level as you can. And if it's, if you can get your doctor's signature on it, especially if you're terminally ill, you mm-hmm. need whatever form is available, whether it's a pulse or DNR, with your explicit wishes. And as you're talking, Jill, I'm thinking because of this incidence that came up with somebody else, uh, you should give a copy to your children. And Each, your child. Child. Each child needs a copy. The that doctor can't say so-and-so went in, took the key, took it out, and now we don't know what it really said. Right. Yeah. The will needs to be distributed. The advanced directives need to be distributed. Right. Without That's exception. That's right. And That's if right. someone makes funeral directions, make sure that you tell the kids which mortuary. I can't tell you how many times at hospice they were like, oh, yeah, I made, well, I need to know. Well, I'll tell you later. And then they die. And then the uh-huh. kids get there and we assume the kids know what the family mortuary is and they don't because it's that family that doesn't talk about death. Exactly. And so somebody is prepaid for a funeral and the deceased person goes to the wrong one. And then you have to pay a transfer charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah. You know, 50 to 500 to move someone from place to place. My husband and I just had this conversation because I sort of was 
tired of the old boys, excuse me while I say this, old white boys club at this one funeral home. I knew the woman who worked there and, and she had to leave. I mean, it was just too, it was so non-progressive. It was. Right. And that's what we've always used in our family. So what I decided was, Daryl, when this happens for me, I want to be here. So now I have to write that down mm -hmm. and say, this is where I want to be. And because they will take care of things. And there's a lot of women there. And there's a lot of. Uh, you want that energy around you after you're yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if you actually prepay and sign for it or even just start the payments, but sign for them, mm -hmm. then nobody can undo them. Oh, that's so a good if thing you know. Right. So if you say you want the bare minimum and you sign for it, if you say I want cremation, nobody can go back in and bury you. That is that is great. And that's something he and I will talk about. Right. Not lots of people not will far into the future, like we now. need to get this together. Yeah. yeah. Lots of lots of people say, well, the kids and if it's not written and you haven't taken care of it That's and right. you're saying I mean it's cremation, 51% of them have to sign. So no oh. matter where they are, that document has to get to all of them and then get back to the mortuary before anyone can make plans. Right. It's just a business of death, and and death is a business, yeah. just like Buying a car is a business or exactly, you know, being in church is a business. There's business aspects to it and you can have fun with it. That's where I put in. I want pop goes the weasel and what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's as I'm right. coming and going, right? You can I'm have going. fun with it. Mine will be if I couldn't have popcorn in life, I'm going to be buried. No, not buried. I want popcorn in the crematory. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't actually pop, though. It incinerates because it's so hot yeah, in there. Yeah, because it's so hot. Yeah. But it's the thought that counts. It is the thought that counts. No fireworks, please. No. Oh. No, no fireworks. No. Yeah. No. But we should. And you know, on a plane with you can, fireworks. So no. you shouldn't have to go into a. <laughs> no, you don't want to go in a retort with that stuff in there. You don't want to hurt the retort staff. No, no, yeah. no. You, I mean, you can plan things like I want the flowers to be this color. You can do as little as I just want this or as much as who all the pallbearers are supposed to be. Right. And you can set the tone for your service and make it so that your family doesn't have to do the work and your will should do the same thing and your advanced directive right. should do the same thing. That's right. So that's. You know, people say, I don't want to be a burden, and yet they don't know what kind of burden this is. Mm -hmm. And um, the only thing I changed for when my mother-in-law died was she had, and maybe I said this before, but she had this dress picked out, and Daryl brought that dress, and I go, I have dressed your mother for so many weddings and other things, I'm not going to let her wear that either. She'll be buried in a more mom mom thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen families get into knockdown dragouts over the clothes in the casket, even for That's a clothes right. casket. The That's clothes right. that the person leaves the house in causes cut chaos. 
Yes. So if, if I'm the one who's working with a family to coach them through the dying process and then the initial stages of grief, it's going to be all about, you're going to nail all this down and the person who's dying gets the biggest vote. So if they say they want it, they want to leave in the angels t-shirt and socks, that's how they're going. That's how they're going. Exactly. And we should, we should have that stuff done. So that way the family in the middle of what is not even arguably one of the hardest days of their lives they don't have to do it. It just becomes automatic. Okay. The clothes are there and they're labeled. Those are there. That's there. Done. Mm-hmm. Something else that has, I've seen pop up in other grief groups. Uh, one thing recently, I feel someone wrote in, I feel like I can't remember anything. And my, I don't know if it was a mom or a husband or something died in August. When that person, no matter how you prepare ahead of time, dies. You're, you're going to have cotton for brains. Yes, you are. And it's so much easier to just do little checkoff lists. This is what, this is what. And it's so much easier for your children. Right. For you to take that decision out of them, out of their hands. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you and know, you, and it's things like even just choosing the speakers, assuming you know who's going to be alive by the time this happens, right? But at least right. give a list and say who you don't want. If there's people that you know who are going to get up there and cause division, because you, if you know those people are going to pressure your kids, right? Then take it out of their hands and let the mortuary let the mortuary say no. It's already written. Mortuaries are your friends at moments like this, uh-huh. because if you've got it written down, then the, you as the family can say the mortuary has the instructions. We didn't make these decisions. Right. Right. Let them you do it. To to, yes. Let them set up the flowers. Let them set up everything. You know what? Just don't choose. If you're going to choose the most expensive casket, make sure you pay for it ahead of time. Don't leave that on them. Right. I. I don't know. I don't know by you. Last I heard around here, uh, cremation is like seven thousand dollars. Depends um, on who's doing it. Okay. Okay. Why? And it depends it- on if you're interring at a cemetery or just doing cremation. And if you're doing cremation plus a service, it's right. You want right. to, in my humble opinion, you go to a small family-owned mortuary mm-hmm. and you interview ahead of time and you go look to make sure you if because if you're going to do the service there you want to make sure it looks like something your family's going to be comfortable in right right and then if it feels like it's changed hands and it's now corporate and that's not where you want to be scooch corporate owned facilities are going to charge far more in general right than the small family owned ones right mm-hmm but you, yeah. know, you can do, there's families who say, well, if we do cremation, we can't have a service. You can do a cremation and have an embalming and a viewing in a cremation casket where the actual cremation container slides into this rental casket that looks like a beautiful oak casket because it is. Mm-hmm. And then for the cremation, the same box that they are laying in for the visitation is the one that they are cremated in. Right. It is dignified. It is safe. It is secure. Right. 
Exactly. It and really you can is. do the compromise for what the family needs. Right. Right. And it just amazes me. And like I said, as we started off, mm -hmm. I am not able to honor my friend's wishes. Right. Because they together and, and her boyfriend or partner has not done any of the work. Mm -hmm. And I, what do you do? And, right. that, and I, I know we got on late, so we're going to stay on late and we're going to repost right. this. So don't, but having that conversation is important. Writing it out so that people have it, because just like in both our professions, if you didn't chart it, it doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> it's the same thing. And it's talking about your mortality is just as important as talking about a birthday party. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you can't avoid it. We all leave the same way. Exactly. exactly. On our so we might as well talk about it, laugh about it, be part of it, embrace it. Embrace it. Go to some death cafes and hear people talk about it because they're fabulous for that and they're online now. Mm -hmm. But learn about it so that you can make the decisions but share the decisions and make sure those documents are everywhere they need to be. Right? Absolutely. As Absolutely. you know, as I shared before, a couple weeks ago, I had surgery recently and I updated all my advanced directives. Uh -huh. And by the way, hospitals. Frequently, if you're near a Kaiser System Hospital, they have a beautiful folder you can go grab for free. And it has all the stuff to have all the talks. Mm -hmm. But I, I did all my advanced directives again. And at the hospital, they made sure they scanned them in, that they handed the originals back to me. They made sure that I had already left them at home and with somebody else. And it covered everything from what's my favorite kind of day so that I could then talk about how I don't want to be on extended life support. And if you're listening and I'm on extended, extended life support ever, come turn me off. Um, but it also talked about what kind of service you want. And you can do that for your family. Uh -huh. And then you don't put the Debs of the world in a place where they can't do what needs to be done. Uh -huh. And you don't put funeral directors in a spot of trying to negotiate mm -hmm. with warring factions and you can have the service for your family that you intended for them to have. That's that, right. That goodbye needs to be a good goodbye and it needs to reflect you. Absolutely. You want some of your personality and, you know, people say, Deb, are you going to be buried with a red nose? I said, first of all, I'm going to be cremated and you know, Put me in, they have little cremain boxes that you can put, you don't need a vault. The box is made of marble or something. It's a vault in <laughs> itself. And uh, just put it in the ground. I I want to talk about, uh, quickly speaking of cremain boxes, mm -hmm. everybody when you 
get cremated, you're in about a five pound bag. It's sort of three to five pound sack of flour. That's how big you're talking. And then now, they stick it in a plastic, hard plastic box. Hard plastic or however they do it. If you can buy from the funeral home, if that's your wish ahead of time, um, or you could buy from Pier One isn't anymore, but you could go to Home Goods or anything and put them in. Put yourself in. But I want to talk about a mom who had to bury her son. He was 16 when he died. And we were talking about the remain boxes. And I said, what was his favorite thing to do? He said, Legos. So they built an urn out of Legos. That's awesome. And I have a picture of it because, wow. Right. So if it there is who you are. And, and even if you don't have that directive written down what to put you in, I am saying to all the families, do something that is meaningful and fits in your budget. And it's an urn. It's okay. And when the time comes to transfer that urn someplace, whether it means spreading the ashes, whether it means, you know, right. I just talked to my, another good friend. She said, I could say this. She said, in this one closet, there's several pre, um, boxes of cremains of family members. And why is it, why are they in the closet, I asked. She goes, because that's the only place my husband wouldn't disturb or throw anything out of. <laughs> is that great? And that's and actually I, a problem with dementia families. People get thrown out. That's right. That's right. And so... What she did, she goes, oh, I know exactly where I'm putting him. In the closet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then when it's time, we can, they're going to take the family animals and him to his favorite place and let them all go. Right. Right? Right. We have so, an entire cemetery of cremains here in our house because uh -huh. even though I have two headstones at our local cemetery, and both of my late wives are interred there. We kept a little bit back um, for sprinkling in, in favorite places. And then all the pets. And, yeah. you know, and then we've got someone's mom here who um, they didn't want mom in their house because it creeped them out. So mom's yeah. been hanging out here for like five years. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, we have a few other random folks. I'm not disturbed by them. All the pets are now on the hearth because I needed, there were too many of them and they needed someplace to go. The two most recent are my side of the bed. But yeah, we have like a small city of, of um, those who have gone before us hanging around our house. Yeah. I'm and okay with it. I know. That's but what I have, have learned when someone is dying and you don't know where somebody is and they're supposed to go in the casket with them, you look for the man in the garage 90% of the time they're on a shelf near their tool bench. And I know that sounds sexist, but that's no, where they are. That's great. That's where they get shoved in the garage. And moms are usually in the closet. And wives are usually in the closet. It's helpful if you buy an urn that you tell someone what the urn actually looks like. Because you may not, it may not look like an urn. It may look like Pier One. 
I saw the most beautiful urn at my girlfriend's house. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a Cohen, uh, like a, a Buddhist. And oh, it's gorgeous. And she showed us where the, where the hole is. Yeah. To, oh, I'm like, oh my goodness. I want to be buried. Who gets jealous over urns? But I was. Me. Me. I saw a, bl- a blown glass one that was just delightful. Oh, oh my goodness. I know. Right. right. But that's people like you and I. So. Right. And that's where if we can get people to think about it and smile about it, we'll right. get somewhere with it. Right. 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 Oh, hey, Paul. Nice to see you. I didn't even see that comment. I'm glad you're here. Oh, so we will well, be back on next week on time because I will not have to disappear to go take phone calls. <laughs> it's a Friday. It's a Friday. It's how it is. That is how it is. And we will have all of our equipment again and be all ready to go. And uh, we'll talk also about um, our upcoming conference yes. thing in, in uh, Wisconsin. And the one coming up in April in Orlando, as long as Orlando was not locked down. And uh, I might say a few words about the Rebellious Widow book, because it's getting even closer to publication right now. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, guys. Have a good weekend. Paul, have a good weekend. Don't work too hard, dude. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.